So uh, I'm ready for you, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> take me, take me, test me, test me. <laughs> so someone stuck for a gift for you in the future for a big milestone, then um, oh, okay. stuffed penis would work. I uh, man, I would be so happy with this. Someone bought me a five and a half foot whale penis. I'd be so happy with that. <laughs> Cool, and here we are, episode 21, the world's most bullish podcast, brought to you, as always, by Sir Neverlook, Dr. Evil 10%, Mr. All-In, and she's not here, surprise, surprise, Mrs. No-Show. This is a special one, isn't it, guys? Episode 21, classic number in Bitcoin, and as always, packed agenda. Yeah, we always have a special one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's so weird because it's obviously like being number 21, that is obviously the, one of the, the big numbers in Bitcoin. Uh, but today, you know, 7th of September, 2021. Correct. The first day or the first time ever that Bitcoin is legal tender in a country. It literally, this is today. It got rolled out in El Salvador. Everyone's app started working. Uh, they had a free $30 worth of Bitcoin uh, in, in their wallets. Six or seven million people all now got onboarded into Bitcoin. So it's so weird that like today is our 21st episode and this is literally the day. We didn't even engineer it to be <laughs> coincide with this, but it literally episode 21 coincided with probably one of the biggest days in Bitcoin, you know, as a milestone of, wow, this is actually a government adopting it. We never really expected them to do this, but yeah, they, they, they have. Absolutely. Well, it's actually one of the things that I was going to bring up on the agenda as well, in terms of countries adopting Bitcoin. So it's there. It was foreseen, but we never actually knew who was going to take the plunge first. Of course, we always think that there are some countries that are secretly mining Bitcoin and uh, putting it on their, uh, their balance sheets, but we still don't know because we don't they won't tell you until, of course, after the fact. But here we are. So um, happy B-Day, everyone. Uh, for those that are watching on uh, on YouTube, we're here. And uh, let's toast to El Salvador. B-Day, yeah. 7th of September, 2021. Yeah, it seems to have a bit, had a bit of a rocky rollout, which is probably largely expected because it's a government project at the end of the day. So mm. I think everyone jumped on to download the app today. Uh, went into the app stores, but at some point they had to pull it because uh, it was just too much traffic and they couldn't take the kind of the the scale of what was going on. Suddenly 6 million people just all wanted the app and wanted mm -hmm. to sign up. And it's obviously got the KYC AML type checks in it as you're going through, even though it's Bitcoin, this is government Bitcoin, remember? And, uh, and obviously you have to identify yourself to then know that, oh yeah, you're the person that gets the free $30 so that you yeah. can't just sign up a hundred times and get lots and lots of $30 payments. But uh, yeah, so really, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, and I think already I've seen articles written on it going, oh yeah, look, Bitcoin doesn't scale. It's like, no, that's nothing to do with Bitcoin. That's an app built on Bitcoin that mm -hmm. didn't scale <laughs> yeah. and um, it, it will scale. And I think in reality, it doesn't need to scale to be able to do 6 million downloads a day because no one's going to use that app outside of El Salvador. So once people got it, they got it. Yeah. And they'll yeah. just use it day to day then. And they'll probably be fine. 
but I still foresee problems down the line. They'll probably lose payments. They'll have payments reversed or whatever because they're probably not completely using Lightning and Bitcoin properly. So there'll be problems with it. Uh, and it almost seems like as well, someone really wanted to make a statement today because someone dumped a shit ton of Bitcoin and uh, we had a 10K candle uh, downwards just <laughs> just, just <laughs> as the, um, the, the El Salvador... Uh, like the app went live almost like to the minute the app goes live someone dumps a shit ton of bitcoin we go from 52k down to 42k in the space of about five minutes it's just this wow. red dildo candle going straight fucking down uh we instantly bounce 5k back up so we're back to about 47k now uh so in reality all that's happened is we probably undone the last week we over the last week we kind of went from 47 to 52 and then we just freaking 10k candle that backwards and uh, and straight away then a load of articles get written on oh this is why el salvador shouldn't adopt bitcoin it's dropped 17 percent in one day this is not a value you're like this is just it's a gift from the gods you know just someone did this i reckon they'd already written the article and they went dump it <laughs> and they just yeah. did it now the article is valid and they just pushed the article you're like oh this is so just makes the story sound better doesn't it you know, yeah, on especially the day. When it happens on the day. Like, yeah, on like the it, day. this was just gonna, this was going to happen anyway. We're going to have a 20 30% dip in a single day on Bitcoin. It's always going to happen. But it's just to do it on the day, you know, on the 7th of September when you know all the eyes are looking at El Salvador, that's the day we do it. And you, yeah, it's just obviously someone did it. And it's either a shit coiner or some banker somewhere. <laughs> he's chuckling to himself right now, feeling very happy. But uh, it doesn't change anything. It's just a. Uh, I actually have to uh, have, have a small confession, actually, because today, so never looked, looked, because I actually bought some Bitcoin. I bought £30 worth of uh, Bitcoin to celebrate, um, obviously, B-Day. So, yeah, I, I had a look at the price. Th £30? I thought it'd be $30. No, no. I kept it in sterling, but, yeah, $30 or, well, £30. I'm just having a, trying to set it up where it's been an absolute faff to do through Revolut and it's £21.76 so I'm just about to do that because I haven't done it today. Okay. What do you do about your DCA Darnell? Because don't you don't you have to look when you do that because Coinbase Pro um, it doesn't allow you to do it automatically so don't you see the price when you do that? Yeah see I haven't been DCAing whilst doing property over the last couple of months so uh, once I'm finished, which is very, very close, actually. So electricians, I'm looking at my board right now. Electricians going in on the weekend, <laughs> to the weekend after, and then the plumber uh, a couple of days afterwards. So we're all finished. So I'm actually going to be uh, doing a large dump in the next couple of weeks or so. So that'll be interesting. And uh, I know for sure because I feel it and obviously I'm still you know doing loads of research and still in tune with what's going on in the community the rocket's refueling and of course when I've got the powder it's just going to go whoosh. so I'm just going to have to hold it on probably uh, Coinbase Pro until everybody FOMOs in and then dumps we get that retraction and then that money that would have been great right now to put in is ready to be put in when we uh, probably retract back for a little bit. Oh, there we go. I've I've got my money. Put my go. put my twenty one pounds seventy six into Bitcoin. 
Yeah, nice. I did the same nice. thing. I, I I bought my twenty one, which again I love the fact that thirty dollars is also twenty one pounds. So I'm like, oh, okay, this this feels nice buying twenty one pounds today. Nice. And uh, but then I bought that. I like put proof of you know proof of work, put it on Twitter straight away. The plebs came and shamed me and went, why why didn't you do thirty pounds? I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. I bought another nine pounds just to round up to thirty. <laughs> So like, okay. yeah, when you guys were just saying then 21 i was like oh should i have done 21 but yeah i did 30 yeah, yeah. it's it, it's more sats like it's not it doesn't feel as nice like buying 21 pounds of bitcoin just feels nice yeah. especially on a nice historic day like you know episode 21 yeah um bitcoin is finally legal tender in a country and uh yeah and, and buy 21 pounds to celebrate and weirdly everyone out in el salvador got 21 pounds worth of bitcoin it's just nice yeah so I've got um, 0.00063 Bitcoin. Uh, so you got more than me. You, you got I brought pre-dump. <laughs> it's I not got, like I got. I got rubbed. It's not like I got load um, loads more, and it won't really matter. 0.00081 or something like that. Yeah, I deep. should le- I should learn how to read in Satoshi's, but I'm just not used to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. It's, 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 I think it's fairly easy. It's. Um, I think I got fifty-five thousand, roughly fifty-five thousand satoshis. I think you got sixty-five, but then you've got eighty odd. But that's because yeah. you bought thirty pounds. So yes. I don't know what the, you probably would have had about the same as me. You probably would have had about fifty-five if you bought twenty-one pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You just got to drop the zeros and just read it as a number at the end. The confusing. Yeah. Sometimes they drop off some of the last digits. They don't always give you the eight digit number, which is annoying. They like round it up. And then now you can't, now you don't know what the number is. Good looks like, oh, I've got 8,000. It's like, no, you didn't. You've got 80,000. They dropped the zero off. Yeah. So yeah, we need to, yeah, ideally, it, apps like that, they need to list it in Satoshi's. So it's annoying. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, you know, if we do, well, when we do see things rocket up a bit, you'd expect it to move that way because we have been in a period when, Bitcoins are, I suppose, affordable only just, and now we are we're kind of like mm. that mid mid area where it's like what thirty five grand, thirty four grand, so it is getting out of reach of people. But when you do get towards a hundred k, that's when it is it, it is out of reach into, unless it's an institution or someone who's got some serious cash, like the exceptions. So yeah, you're right. Looking at it, sixty three thousand um, satoshi. So I just yeah. I need to read it that way, but it's just getting used to it. Talking yeah. of which, though, as well, you know, to, uh, about getting out of reach, that's a house deposit for the majority of people, um, if not more. And so I think it certainly is becoming out of the reach of, of the majority of people to get a single Bitcoin. Although, of course, we know that if you get 0.28, then you'll be in uh, the top percentile. Of people holding Bitcoin. Sorry, is that twenty eight thousand Bitcoin? Yeah, twenty eight thousand. Okay. See, I'd say definitely for the younger de- generation who are stuck, you know, without being able to afford a house, it is kind of out of reach, as you said. It's quite rightly a house house deposit. Whereas I'd say some more around our age who's potentially already got their house, it is their kind of investment money. What they're trying to plan with their pension. It's not mm. money which they can flitter away, but it's someone lining up. How on earth? They're going to be able to survive when um, the retirement age is what's it now seventy, and their life expectancy is eighty-three. So we yeah. still got to deal with that thirteen years of how on earth I, am I going to be able to afford to live? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I think in reality, though, I think you really have to get Bitcoin and really be determined if you're going to get the one. Yeah, because even when you, as you're getting older and you've been probably DCAing into some type of investment, whether it's savings, pension or whatever, you'll probably uh, amalgamate that kind of money. But most people would, they'd be terrified to put that much into a mm. Bitcoin. And that's that's probably what's the, probably the biggest thing that's taking it out of people's reach, having a single coin. is because they probably only want to put a couple of grand in and... Uh, and yeah, but if they do it now, if you put a couple of grand in, then this is why I think we need to get to Satoshi's because one Bitcoin, it, it's almost like denominating pounds, but our denomination, our main denominator was one million. You know, the fact that we actually have a pound and it's such a small amount of money is good because it's like, well, how many pounds have you got? Like, well, you definitely got more than one. Yeah, and yeah. it's not hard. It's the same with Satoshi's. We need to move to Satoshi's and then someone can go, oh, well done. You've collected a million Satoshi's. That should sound like an achievement or 10 million. And essentially what we're saying is, oh, if you've got, if you manage to get 100 million Satoshis, then yeah, you have a full coin, but that's a huge number. That's like saying, yeah, yeah. have you got a hundred million pounds? Like, no, most people never get to that point. It's also but, unfathomable for most people to actually think about how much that is as well. The yeah. brain just kind of stops because they're not used to that number as well. Yeah. We talked about this, I think last week, it's one of my friends, like, you know, I said, buy Bitcoin because he is down that anti kind of like government and fear. I think he sees the problems, but he doesn't really understand what he can do about it. So I can't afford a Bitcoin. I said, you can buy sats, you can buy proportions of Bitcoins. You know, I like, I buy a proportion of a Bitcoin every week. It's my DCA um, and it's a way to do it. I think um, maybe that's something for the community as they continue to obviously talk about sats and talk about, well, talk about Bitcoin is to get into people to think in sats as well. Yeah. Because that's when it really helps, doesn't it? When, yeah. Rather than sats to pounds or US dollars, it's just sats. Yeah, that's why if you use any of the Lightning wallets and any of the stores, they all list everything in SATs. It's just mm. SATs is the standard. Uh, but the second you go to exchanges or anyone talks about you know the price of Bitcoin, we always talk about how, mu how much is 100 million Satoshis. And so it always gets back to, oh, I can't afford a Bitcoin because it's $50,000. It's like, that's, that's just how much 100 million Satoshis are. It's almost an irrelevant thing. Like, how much is 200 million Satoshis? Yeah, it's double that price. We definitely can't afford that. But how much is a 100 millionth of a Satoshi? Oh, it's like a fraction of a penny. Can you afford a fraction of a penny? Well, of course you can. So, and yeah, and it's, and I think that the number is 200,000, by the way. 200,000 Satoshis is the number to, to aim for. That is your allotment of Bitcoin. Once you get to 200,000 Satoshis, that is hyper-Bitcoinization. That's going to be average. Yeah. So anything so, above that. So what's that? Currently? Yeah, that's the word. That's the number two hundred thousand. Uh, I think it's two hundred and eighty thousand. So is yeah. that about seven seventy quid at the moment? Did you just work it out? Yeah, um, yeah, about that. Yeah, between seventy and hundred pounds. Yeah, the price is obviously fluctuating hugely. Yeah, but basically, if you just put a couple of hundred pounds in, you're done. That's it. That was your allocation. Because in the future, when Bitcoin 100x is, it's not going to be a couple of hundred pounds. That would have been tens of thousands of pounds. And that's going to be the average amount of wealth that someone has in their life, which is about what is correct today. So just get it now. You know what else I thought about today uh, with it being B-Day is everybody downloading the app. Do you remember that time when we went to uh, Three Sisters and went go-karting? Yeah. 
if you just hold that, because there's going to be a proportion of people that lose their <laughs> their their money and they'll lose their sacks. So straight away you'll be ahead. So it's like as long as you just stay on the track, yeah. people are going to fall off that track. And that day when we went go-karting, it was raining, it was slippy. If you just held your nerve, didn't go fast, just went through, you're going to be in that top percentile and, you know, you see your way through. And that, that's how I feel for the people in uh, El Salvador as well. So just basically hoddle, do nothing, don't be stupid, learn your seed phrases and... Uh, and keep going. Don't listen to a FUD. Yeah, and don't listen to the FUD, even though there's a lot out there. As may have said in the group when we were chatting, when I was reading, it was all pretty negative in terms of, you know, this is a risk for El Salvador. Nobody actually talked about the fact that they've got a choice between US dollars and obviously Bitcoin, because prior to that, they had the choice between uh, the Salvadorian dollars, or I think, what they recorded was and it then, peso yeah, and, yeah but i wanted to say peso yeah and then in us dollars well, i think what you're missing is the dot the us dollar is very consistent mm. it'll, consistent um, it'll, on the way down yeah it'll devalue on average about five percent <laughs> every year but you know special years will get 22 <laughs> percent <laughs> so you get 22 percent of your wealth wiped out which mm. i don't i don't think a lot of people appreciate yeah. It, it is it is a stealth tax which no one understands because it's hidden by jargon such as quantitative easing. Yeah, yeah. Because just, just imagine if they actually did write a real article and actually went, oh yeah, these are the benefits. Is that you know these El Salvadorans can now just on a day to day keep their money on their in their phone and it's not going to get hit by inflation. And if anything, it's going to hit get hit by you know, deflation. And this mm. is a, a you know a, an asset that's accruing value as opposed to losing it. Uh, because you know, what do all these people get paid in and what are they funded by? It's They're funded by the US dollar. They would literally be throwing their own government and the Fed under the bus. So, of course, they, they have to just stick to the line. to be that person. They have really. to support the US dollar. If anything, it's almost like unpatriotic if you don't support the US dollar. It's like, you're not American. And <laughs> God damn it, I'm American. It's like, well, you support the US dollar then. It's got, um, you've got the United States in it. You know, the Fed's a nice big like picture of a... Um, uh, the American eagle, you know, the bold eagle. It's like, that's, it's American. The Fed is American. You're anti-patriotic if you don't support it. It's like, it's, it's kind of genius. Well, well, I saw something today. Some guy was, he was um, promoting his book on LinkedIn and it was Gaz, you commented on his FUD about Bitcoin. And basically he wrote some thing, thing which he thought, I'll draw in some people around Bitcoin, create a bit of noise so people read my comments. And then the first comment was him promoting his book. <laughs> and it's just like you know i don't understand it and i just went instantly i'm going in my head i'm going you want me to buy your book about investing but you do not understand bitcoin nor have taken the time to understand bitcoin so mm. something which is seen as one of the most successful assets over the last 10 years you're not willing to take the time to understand and bash it and you want me to buy your book why am i going to buy your book when you don't understand the investing market yeah I think it was on what? macro investing as well or something, which is like if, <laughs> even it's, it's even in the same category as Bitcoin, right? If, yeah. if it was stocks or if it's trading, at least it's like, okay, fine. It's like over here. Like you don't yeah. need or a niche in terms of a vertical. Yeah. But if you're like a macro investor, that, that basically means you look at 10, 20, 30 year cycles 
like Bitcoin and inflation and the whole the money printer and the gold standard, that is macroeconomics. Yeah, and if yeah. he doesn't get that and doesn't realize that Bitcoin has come in and fixed it, then I hate to see, see what his book, I, I can almost guarantee the ending of his book is buy gold, it's all about to collapse. Yeah, you, know, you just peter shit. That is entertaining. But, but it's like, if he, but he, <laughs> he give, said it. I give Schiff that for sure. But Schiff possibly read about Bitcoin, either doesn't like it, so he's just a gold bug, or doesn't like the fact he's missed it. Whereas this guy. I think he likes playing the heel as the bad guy. He does. It'd be funny if he actually had a load of Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but this guy was, I generally don't think he understood money and mm. he's advising people on how to invest. You know, if you're looking at, I understand what the flaws of money, I'm going to look at all the different solutions, gold, Bitcoin, silver, whatever you want to look at. And if he didn't actually understand that, I just kind of go, well, what's the point in you actually writing a book? Mm. It's literally like a two-year-old writing a book about quantum physics or something <laughs> it just shows he's small time as well because one of the largest macro investors is ray dalio who's changed his position on uh, bitcoin as well who obviously talks about macro investments and his all weather um fund is for all times and he now believes that part of that should include bitcoin case closed yeah, don't buy his book. Ten, is it 10%? <laughs> uh, I don't know what he's gone in at, but uh, he might be he might be along your lines. Yeah, I, th- I think he is around there at the moment. I think, I think he's between five and 10. That's his allocation, yeah. Because, mm. um, yeah, and, and the thing is, like, if you have a huge portfolio, like someone like he does, you are just, there's no point being like 100% in any asset. Like, essentially, he's made it, right? He has tens yeah. of billions. He just spreads it around, right? Two million in property, two billion in property, two billion in stocks, two billion in Bitcoin. He just finds ten things and just spreads it, just in case like a, a nine eleven or some weird kind of craziness happens, and then yeah, an asset just gets wiped to zero. Like you don't want to build up to tens of billions and then go back to zero. So just which is what happened to him, which is why he's so cautious not to do that again. Yeah, yeah. But um, but fortunately, like he, he, what he's going to find is that that ten percent, he's he's fortunate because the ten percent that he has in Bitcoin will end up replacing the rest of his stuff, and everything else is going nearly to zero. So uh, as as we're going, he's probably going to have to switch. Uh, and I, I'd imagine, unless he starts selling Bitcoin, then he's going to his allocation of ten percent is going to keep getting bigger because yeah, he he came in about six months ago now, and the price of Bitcoin's already like probably about fifty percent up in that time. So. Mm unless he's selling to keep it under 10%, which I have, I have a dangerous suspicion he might be because especially if it's a hedge fund, then he actually, there's regulations around not having more than the 10% allocation of any asset in your hedge fund. That's why Kathy Wood of ARK Investment uh, has to keep uh, selling Bitcoin and Tesla because they're not allowed more than 10%. Yeah. It's seen as reckless. You're not allowed to be reckless of other people's money. It's interesting, isn't it? Because what else are they replacing that other, you know, 80, 90% with? Shit. It'd be funny if they just went, I know, when I have 10% of Bitcoin, uh, then 10% of MicroStrategy, 10% yeah. of like Square. Let's say yeah. like 10% of this mining company mines Bitcoin. <laughs> like you could you could probably yeah, buy yeah. 10, 10 assets now. That, Coinbase. Yeah, you could buy some yeah, coin. And uh, yeah, so you probably have... You could probably fudge it by having 100% uh, 
kind of portfolio that is backed by Bitcoin. So as Bitcoin goes up, <laughs> you still are, you still get the appreciation because MicroStrategy pretty much goes up and down with the Bitcoin price. Maybe there's an ETF there, boys, for us to uh, to look into and create. Yeah, well, there's a, there's about a dozen applications into ETFs right now. They've all been refused up until this date. Yeah, I was looking at that as well. Yeah, apparently the market's manipulated, and that's why they won't allow a Bitcoin ETF. Just oh, really? <laughs> so strange. It's like going to have a look at the stock market, you morons. How manipulated <laughs> is that? Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, um, you mean the stock market's a free open market that's balanced? Yeah, and there's no insider information. Directors like and politicians trading on shares. Like, come on, it happens every day. We all know it does. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're like, no, no, no. It's, um, we're protecting investors by not having an ETF on Bitcoin. You're like, you know, <laughs> you're just trying to, ultimately, what they're really trying to do there is they know full well that once Bitcoin has a proper ETF, is that what you can do then with your pension is get it into a Bitcoin asset. So then that opens up trillions of dollars worth of value that people that have um, had their, you know, ultimately money that large amounts of money as well, that is locked up until 65 or past 55, at least uh, you can actually now get Bitcoin appreciation from it. Once there's an ETF, you could actually just phone up your uh, pensions company and go, I want to put, at least an allocation, even if you don't put 100% in, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% of your pension into a Bitcoin ETF, which tracks the price. Yeah. So that could be, like, that'll be the first thing I do. Like, I have some money tied up in a pension that I just want to get, and then I can just buy Bitcoin with it. I don't want custodial Bitcoin. That's come of an ETF, right? Such uh, an all in thing to do. Of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. How come, you, how come you still got money tied up in a pension? I thought you would have tried to do that. You can't. I have. You can't. I tried. They've all they all they would do is go. We can put it in the highest risk out portfolio we have. I'm like, all right, all in fucking highest risk we got. And they're like, okay, all we've done is taken a lot of it out of bonds and stuff like that. And now a higher allocation is in the stock market. I'm like, yeah, but I what what stocks? I'm like, oh, just this, just it's just bullshit. And I I don't want you to manage it. Can I just have it? And they went, no, you can't have it. Yeah, you can move it to another fund, but you can't have it. It's locked in. I'm like, I'll pay the tax on it. Whatever tax that I didn't pay on it going in, I'll pay it. Just give me the fucking money back. And uh, and they won't. Um, I'm sure Fidelity are doing something around um, crypto as well. So I don't know if they've also got a pensions on. I'm sure they do. And so... Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure Fidelity do. Yeah. So as soon as they do, you know, that's definitely going to be an agenda topic point because... I'll be ringing up Aviva, move my pension, go all in because I'll be I'll be good without. Yeah, if it was Fidelity. They predicted uh, Bitcoin a hundred million dollar price per Bitcoin. Oh gosh, they, they're super bullish. Fidelity are. Stop I think it. if that's the case, I'll be just leaving my pension um, with Aviva for lols. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the spare change, suckers. Yeah. Just like, oh, what am, I, what am I going to do with this pension now? Oh, I might, um, I don't know, start a fire with it. Baller. <laughs> um, so, so, do we want to hit this agenda? Yeah, yeah. Do we want to? We've talked about the Satoshi week. So, yeah. um, legal tender in El Salvador, I think we've covered it numerous times. There's rumors. Yeah. Satoshi quotes. Yeah. Yeah, um, the Satoshi quotes. All. What's your favourite then? 
Uh, yeah, I can go first on that. My my favorite one is I. It's I think it's the start of a bit of toxic Bitcoin maximalism from Satoshi because he is the kindest guy ever and obviously is super good at explaining stuff. He is the original kind of teacher. If he didn't explain what Bitcoin was, then no one was there to do it. But um, he, he does get frustrated as well. And uh, I like his quote that if you don't believe it or don't get it, I don't have the time to try and convince you. Sorry. I thought you'd pick that one. Yeah, because it's just it's just it's just brilliant. And this is that's almost the, the original have fun staying poor. It's just one of them where we're not trying to convince you of it, right? You ask a question, we can give some answers. But then if you keep going, mm, I don't think you're right, and, and you kind of doubt the answer, then it's like, look, I'm not trying to sell you on something here. You asked a question, you got an answer. But if you're going to keep going and just keep doubting it, then look, I haven't got time to try and convince you. Sorry, just go on your way. Yeah, it's your general yeah. approach when you didn't bother explaining it to us all those years ago. <laughs> yeah i actually made myself feel sick actually although I, I had a really good excuse because we were buying the family home at the time uh but when we were talking and we looked back after we were talking about this just last week on the podcast the price was indeed 120 pounds per bitcoin in uh i think it was february 2017 and i was just like okay, I'll go in, but I just didn't understand it. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think it'd be about, it would have been 1,200 then. No, yeah, I'm... sorry, 1,200, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, we were talking about it on, um, on messages, weren't we? Um, and you were saying, you know, if it made me myself feel sick, I was still to a point, but it would have just been throwaway money, you know, to yeah. me at the time, because I didn't understand it. It wasn't like I'd spent probably a couple of years in between reading about economics a lot. And then when the actual um, whole lockdown happened is when I actually un- actually understood the concept, but it wasn't until I got around to reading the Bitcoin standard where I went, this is how I can save my money. This is, this is how it works. Yeah. Um, my favorite quote kind of going back to the topic was, I suppose one which is about the distrust of banks. So the root problem with conventional currency is all the trust, what's required to make it work. So I think this is what a lot of people don't understand. They say that money is backed by either gold, they've misunderstood, or governments. It's like, well, what does that mean? So, but basically it comes down to trust and do you trust the government? And the answer is pretty much no by anyone. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust as we saw last year with um, the US dollar, what is it, 22%. Banks must be trusted to hold on money and transfer it electronically, but they'd lend out in waves of credit bubbles with barely a fraction of reserve. We have to trust them with our privacy, trust them not to let identity thieves drain our accounts. So, you know, every single point there, it just rings true the problems with fiat. Yeah, if you go, if you go to bitcoinlessons.org, that is actually the one quote that I grabbed from Satoshi down the bottom. I, I love that quote as well. Just that—that that is the the use case for Bitcoin right there. That's yeah. that's that's our competition. Every time someone goes, "Oh, Bitcoin doesn't do X, Y, Z." No, it doesn't need to be perfect. It pretty much mm. is, but it doesn't need to be. This is the competition. This is what we have today. And whenever you're slating Bitcoin, if you're open-minded, then also point that criticism at this. And I can guarantee on every single point this is worse <laughs> this is not we do not have a perfect system we're just trying to move to this other one just because we're freaking anarchists it's like no the existing system is broken and bitcoin is better this this and that quote. because 
you do have arguments around um, inflation, which are basically by a bunch of people who believe in Keynes, but the stuff about fractional reserves, I, I just don't know anyone who could possibly stand up for that. It's so ludicrous. It is just basically criminal enterprise and nothing else. In your face as well, like daylight robbery. The, the actual term daylight robbery is right there. I, I can almost guarantee it. I, I reckon 90% of people, if you said, explain fractional reserve to me, they wouldn't know. So what what are they allowed up to? Is it a 30? Is it 132? Is that the correct way of saying it? So they after the 2008 crisis, they were doing, a, they, they were well down below 5%. So they were loaning out, like for every pound, they were loaning out, uh, what would that even be, like 20 pounds. So that was yeah, so that'll be where I've got my figure from. That's the one pound being lent out 20 times. It's yeah. just insane. And I think now they may have gone up to 10, 20, or 30, yeah. Which still means forever if if if, they, if even it's gone up to 30, it means for every three pounds, there's another 66 um, or another six being lent out, 6.6. So it's still they're lending out three times what they've got. Mm. which still means that, and this is always the thing, right? If there's ever a big crisis in the world and, and there's one on the banks where people go, we don't trust you now, we need to take the money out. Any bank doing fractional reserve, which is all of them, they do not have enough pounds for their customers. It's funny how you say, we don't trust you. What? We don't trust you. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of works both ways. Um I'm going to end on my uh, on on the 21 wise and funny Bitcoin quotes from Satoshi is from uh, bloody hell. Satoshi is believed to be British by the choice of specific words, but his quote was sorry to be a wet blanket and uh, writing a description for this thing for general audiences is bloody hard. There's nothing to relate it to. And uh, I, I chose that one based on the fact that obviously we all get asked, so what is this Bitcoin thing? And I'm sure no two people are alike in terms of having the same meaning and kind of terminology as to how to explain it to other people. And so uh, despite all the hours of, you know, reading and also watching of videos and Twitter, it's still bloody hard to explain it. Yeah. I mean, it's so many things. It's not just one thing. And people expect it to be one thing because it's nice, isn't it? The human mind likes it to be nice, neat, and conventional. Is it a digital asset? Is it a uh, you know monetary thing in terms of a, a monetary exchange? It's everything. It's a secure network and so on and so forth. So, yes, yeah, so much to, yeah. to it. And obviously, there's a lot of people now that have probably spent a lot of time making that question easier to answer because a lot of good mm. content. But obviously, when Satoshi wrote this, this is 11 years ago he wrote that. And uh, and even today, like if you just walk around the street and try and explain Bitcoin to someone, they will probably question you and go, I don't get this, I don't get that. And imagine, and there's already 200 million Bitcoiners in now, but imagine being Satoshi when the first couple of dozen, and you have to broach this subject to the first couple of people. Well, I've made a, I've made a new form of money. And they're just going to go, what? How? <laughs> how? Like, what the hell? Oh, it's more secure. It's better. But, and you imagine how many levels of detail he'd have to go through. And ultimately, you know, Satoshi's a developer as well. So normally yeah. developers are notoriously bad at explaining their work because they're super technical and just want to go into the brilliance of their code. And ultimately, to describe a thing, don't describe the code. You've got to go about three levels up 
to explain that to the customer as to what problem it solves. Absolutely. And uh, so it's, it's, it's almost incredible that a coder, a developer like this, actually even had the ability to really explain Bitcoin to so it took off at all because it didn't have a marketing department, right? This is this is like coding the ultimate API and just throwing it out there going, I've saved the world. And <laughs> normally what you would need is about a hundred marketeers to go, this is what he means, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Let's dumb yeah. it down. We need some taglines. We need a some nice logo. Yeah. So we didn't what have any of that. Use? And, in, and, and instead, it's just developed a horde of toxic Bitcoin maximalists. <laughs> hey, we're, we're the marketing department, man. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't understand this. Have fun staying poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. final one, which I want to leave this with, is lost coins only make everyone else's coins worth slightly more. Think of it as a donation to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, well, like I said, um, I'm sure there'll be some Salvadorians that are losing their coins as we speak right now, even on the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guarantee. So, I really actually cringe. You know, like how when we go into Coinbase and get our free $3 worth of shit coins yeah. and we instantly just convert it into Bitcoin, I have this horrible feeling that there's a load of our Salvadorans are going to do the same thing when they get their Bitcoin drop. They're going to go, oh, I need to convert this into dollars ASAP. And now it's real money. So I just kind of cringe at that. But I, I'm sure there's going to be a percent of people that do it. And yeah, you just need, you need some adoption. You know, this is um, the public use case. People go on holiday to Alvador, they get to spend some Bitcoins, buy some tacos. You know, it is just a use case. So bring it on because it is part of the journey. Yeah. Well, even at 1%, if there's like, two million Salvadorians living abroad and then they start sending the remittance home. That's 20,000 people using Bitcoin and obviously it increasing more and more. So we'll see, give it time. We've got 6.4 million population. So I don't know how many um, migrants they've had. but still, it will still have a use case, so still really good. Yeah. Do you want to move on to the next one? Because I love this one. Twitter and beta testing for Lightning Tips integration. It wasn't so much the article, it was the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so, they all hate it, don't they? Well, it was one of the earliest comments which I come across was, so this is Twitter and beta testing for Lightning Tips integration. So it's not just Bitcoin tips. It's through the Lightning Network. Yeah. And here's one comment. I love paying 5 or even $45 to send a few books. I also like to tell people to wait 30 minutes before spending their tip. Yeah, it's brilliant, that, isn't it? It's just such an ignorant comment. Yeah, it's one of the first ones, and a few people just said, you need to read about the Lightning Network. You've commented on something which says Lightning Network. The, the clue is in the name. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, like, if, 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 if that genuinely, do, does that guy genuinely think that Jack Dorsey, like one of the richest guys on the planet, has introduced a product where you can tip on Bitcoin? And obviously tips are going to be small amounts of money, right? By definition, tips are small, especially for tweets. You're thinking it's going to be probably less than a dollar in reality. If fees yeah. were genuinely $45, do you think he'd have been stupid enough to even consider this? Clearly, you wouldn't have. He would have stopped. But he hasn't yeah, even but, comprehended that Lightning makes it zero fees. So I can but, send you three Satoshis for a tweet now. But what you're not comprehending is the stupidity of a lot of people. 
and yeah. by having internet, it's just a way of um, of putting out their voices on yeah. things which they don't comprehend, yeah. rather than taking the time to understand and going, oh, why is he using it? What's this lightning network? Let's have a read. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. The, the one downside of this story is that I don't think it includes it in the actual story, but it's come out elsewhere. They're also allowing tips in Ethereum. Now, that is going to be funny because the fees on Ethereum are $45. And they don't have the Lightning Network. So like, to, to tip with Ethereum, that comment is actually correct. But for mm. Bitcoin and Lightning, it's not. Like Bitcoin has advanced because we're just concentrating on money, right? That's it. Ethereum is currently putting JPEGs and worth like $4 million on their freaking blockchain. But that what it does is make the Bitcoin, the, their blockchain really massive and bloated. It's just got JPEGs all over the over the thing. Uh, so to send a transaction every single time, you have to remake sure all the JPEGs are in the right place. It's just bloated and freaking costing an absolute fortune to send an Ethereum transaction right now. They've literally broken their own network again. And, uh, yeah, it's funny actually you mentioned that because um, again, doing the research throughout the week, really understanding that Ethereum's network is really complex and obviously getting more and more complex. And as we know, it's had uh, a new update, which has made it even more complex and, uh, and it's forked as to what it originally was. And not to say that Bitcoin hasn't necessarily changed, and the network hasn't changed, but you're just watching a moving beast and there's so much money in Ethereum as the second largest cryptocurrency that's out there. And so many people are going to get wrecked when it finally collapses. Yeah. If anything, it's, it's almost like quite a clever hodl at the moment because there's so many people that have got a random token on Ethereum uh, and it's, it's not worth that much money. It's probably like a couple of hundred dollars or whatever you're forced to hodl it because you can't even move it anywhere to sell it because it costs <laughs> 50 to $100 to move the thing. And there's a lot of, I, I see the, the shitcoiners complaining sometimes just to like, it's just hilarious. Like they, they literally can't move out in and out of coins. They can't even buy some Bitcoin because they, their entire value of their money gets eaten up in fees. Because especially depending on how far into the DeFi rabbit hole you've gone, sometimes you're like, you're like in poo coin and you've got to get through pancake swap to sushi swap to, 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 to so it's about eight transactions and it's like it's going to cost a thousand dollars to go through all these loops just to finally get out and then buy some bitcoin you're like look you put yourself in that hole mate like you're fucking in like unlucky <laughs> I, had, I had my ethereum i was gonna say i had the ethereum and i i got big transaction fee when i sold it so i think it was just sitting there hodling for years and i bought it basically because I was like, oh, it might do well. And then when I came to sell it, I was like, great. I think I had to pay something ridiculous in transaction fees. I want to say like 80 quid or something. Yeah. Wow. And it's when Ethereum was like um, some like 650 pounds. So a big chunk of my profit was taken by fees. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And ironically, this is it's a beautiful thing for Bitcoin as well, because the Lightning Network is so good. So many transactions have moved on to there. So now, ironically, even doing a main chain transaction at the moment, only cost a couple of quid. So it kind of like the fact that you've, we've scaled it effectively. So many transactions have now moved over to the free place, moving, putting transactions on layer one, which is ultimately where you really want to do your transactions. Ideally, 
Uh, now you can do them there now if you can afford a couple of quid per transaction. You don't even have to use Lightning, but it's kind of like it's released the, the pressure at both ends, really. So now it's solved the problem in both places. Whereas, yeah, Ethereum has, yeah. That is in, as, uh, as I see a lot of the time on um, other podcasts that I listen to, in the air of transparency, I still have my 2017, 2018 Ether. And uh, and so, yeah, right now I put in about, or sorry, back then, put in 1,500 quid over a couple of months or so. Right. And so I don't know what the price of the coin is because I, I never look. Is it about, what, two or two and a half or something? Yeah, I think, I think it's about, it's, it took a, about 25% hit today. Yeah, Bitcoin went down by like 15, 17%, but then all the shit coins, this is, this is always what we say as well. When Bitcoin takes a hit, it drags the Bitcoins and the shit coins and it throws them about another 10 or 20% further down. Yeah. So I think Ethereum went from about $4,000 to three and a half, which is a nice yeah, 25% hit. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, when I eventually come to sell it, because to your point, I'm just hobbling, you know, I've got just under three and a half coins there. Just there's no point in me selling them. Yeah. And um, and whilst we're talking about shit coins, let's move on to shitcoin corner. Yeah. We we have a bitcoiner here. So we've mentioned Jason Williams before. He's Mr. Um Power Powerbolic guy, the mm. author of Bitcoin Money You Can't Fuck with. Yeah. And uh, but he got caught on Twitter being a little bit of a dirty shiller didn't he so um he's mr freaking oh it doesn't matter how you stack sats you can go off and do shit coining and look by and large fine but what he tried to do on twitter here is he post this dumbass picture of this the worst drawn alien i've ever fucking seen apparently it's one of gary v's uh nft Who? gary v gary vernicek yeah um he's a, he's a really i actually quite liked him back in the day as a business guy but um He's just launched into NFTs and a total fucking idiot right now. He does he does talk a lot about NFTs and kind yeah. of thinks that you know he's first to market. And I think, okay, Gary, what are you trying to do? Like, is it because you weren't really up on Bitcoin at the mm. very, very beginning? And so you're now gonna go full-blown NFT? I don't yeah. know. I, I definitely think it's the billionaire complex. Because mm. like, he's very, very wealthy, isn't he? And I think yes. it's, he's almost doing the same thing that Elon did, right? He kind of missed Bitcoin. He's a decade late. And he's like, but I missed the first. So Elon went, oh, Dogecoin's the, the thing. Mm. Like, no one thinks it is. I've spotted it. And I think yeah. he, Gary's doing the same where he's like, oh, like, no, these shit coins and Doge are nothing. It's NFTs. And I'm first. Mm. I'm going to launch my own NFT collection. And, uh, and yeah, and Jason Williams, he's a Bitcoiner, got sucked in. And uh, he, he tweets about this alien going, I've just received a 100K bid for this. Isn't the world crazy? And um, But then someone tweets below, um, but you paid $400,000 for this picture. So actually the bid, whilst it is amazing, <laughs> you're 300K down. And his comment to him is something like... Um, go shove it in your mouth with your small penis prick or something. So he obviously gets quite triggered. He, he, he says he's got, a, I think he calls the guy that called him out, like you've only got a two inch penis. It's in there somewhere. I can't quite see it now. <laughs> but um, 
It's weird. And again, this Jason guy, he's a billionaire. You know, nothing to do with Bitcoin, nothing to do with shit coins. He's a legitimate billionaire. He's created numerous companies, sold them for hundreds of millions and then invested the money wisely. Um, and it's just crazy to see because he probably is the kind of guy that can afford to lose 300K on a JPEG. Uh, he's just got to take the L on it. But bizarrely, he's actually exploiting his following here because he knows full well by posting a picture of a JPEG that he's just going, oh, isn't it crazy that I got a bid for 100K? He's trying to create FOMO there. He's trying to get his followers to go, oh, my God, this JPEG's worth loads and try and start a bidding war. And who knows what that 100K bid is as well, by the way. That could easily just be another one of his Ether accounts. And he might be buying. This is what a lot of the, the NFT guys do is they just they buy NFTs off themselves. And then it looks like, oh, if that person's willing to pay 100K for this JPEG, then I'm okay spending 150 because you know it's only 50 above, right? And it's just, it just feels safe. It's like the classic price anchoring thing. Yeah, absolutely. And if others are doing it, I'll do it too. Yeah, but he's got a lot of shit for this, and rightly so, because he's basically trying to scam his followers here. Because he, he's trying to scam someone into buying this JPEG off him. He obviously feels like he's just being stupid, paying 400k for this. He's trying to get rid of it, and um, yeah. I'm trying to see the actual like. Obviously, art's quite subjective, but my kids could do this better with felt tip pens. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, weirdly, like Gary V. I was following him on Twitter until he started this. And um, I tweeted about it numerous times. He he was drawing, uh, he was doing Snapchats and all, all sorts. And he would draw one of these stupid animals or an alien, literally in the space of five minutes. He would like then sign it in the corner, hold it up, and just move on to the next one. And he's like, I'm so creative. I don't know how I have all this. I just got to get it out. And well, this like, is, oh, um, I think, Safer D. Mamus talks about this a lot about art. It's in his <laughs> tweets um... and it's his book. I think it's in the Fiat Standard. He says... Sound money creates masterpieces where you're paying for someone's time, whereas nowadays you're paying for someone to cut a cow in half, which <laughs> takes which actually takes some you know an hour or two, and they've not had to learn any of that process. But some idiot will buy it, buy it for four million dollars. Mm, you know, yeah. you look at like um, or what's it called the the ceiling in one of one of the um, chapels or churches in Rome. Where they've painted, you know, great detail, taken them donkey's years to hand paint it. So, you know, it's it's priceless. And obviously it's never going to be moved because it's on a ceiling. Whereas now we're looking at, well, someone's put an unmade bed in an art ex- exhibition, it's worth two million pounds. It's like one, where are you going to store that? And two, my child can do that. <laughs> and that well, both of them are three and five. Yeah. So if people have completely lost track of what's actually worth money, so you think it's about what, you know, in art in particular, it's it's amount of time. It's all that effort which Sean has learned how to draw in a particular way or, over all those years and also how good it is and then also how scarce it is. Not something which I can pull out within five minutes. Yeah, and uh, ever since the, uh, the big NFT by uh, Beeble, the 69 million one. I think things have just gone pretty quiet as well. And I think people are trying to drum up interest and feels really forced. Mm-hmm. It seems well, like it's working though, because the, the NFT market yeah. is genuinely crazy. Like there, there are, there's rocks and punks and bored apes and they gently seem to genuinely be going for hundreds of thousands. I'm, are you I'm, not going to do your poker sharks? We talked about this last week. Do it. Do it, uh, do I, it, I, I do thought about it. it. 
I thought about it. And the, po- the problem is I just can't do it. No, I think once you go down that slippery slope and even if you go, oh, it's okay, I'm going to donate all the money to charity. Yeah, but I'm ultimately like people are giving me their money. I'm going to have to shill it. You know, if I create something like that, I'm going to have to go out and promote it. And I'm promoting a scam. I'm promoting JPEG and people are going to buy them who knows for what kind of money. And I just, no, I don't want to waste any time on scamming because it's just, uh, just now. Don't want to be associated with it. Like you said, it's a slippery path and, yeah, yes. I'm gonna have to spend a decent amount of time. Like, if it's gonna be, if I'm actually gonna need to promote it, aren't I, and say that it exists, I'm gonna have to probably go and infiltrate some of the NFT Discord groups and stuff and start chatting to them. And then, yeah, it's it's all part of like now I'm just like these young kids. I saw I saw a conversation online with a poker player talking, um, trying to buy an NFT, and um, yeah, he said the lad admitted he was 17 and pretty much his entire net net worth was in three NFTs. You're like they're the kind of guys that ultimately end up buying your shit at the end. They're the bag holders. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are going to be left thinking they have a hundred grand worth of value, um, but then the NFTs just go to zero, and they're going to be devastated. And I, I don't want to be part of that. It's um, it's it's, it's going to be short lived. You know, they're about six months in. There's you know these these scams. The ICOs took about a year to go full pump, and then when the yeah. dump happens, it's brutal. And at the moment, we're still in the pump stage. We must be quite near the top now because JPEGs are going for millions of dollars. That's got to be the top. So I remember everybody was coming up with that new ICO. Oh, it's the new thing, the initial coin offering. You know, this is this is what you need to get in on. Be the first. And yeah, it just, I actually, I don't know, kind of had uh, JOMO in terms of, I think that's me in, <laughs> in terms of the joy of missing out. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, go for it. I'll just wait. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's so obvious. If anything, though, I actually think it's more honest, these, the JPEG thing, because with the ICOs, they'd have a white paper and they would say, oh, no, we're taking on Google or mm. we're going to be uh, the, the casino of the internet, like, because it's on the blockchain. Yeah, everything was just, what's the biggest industry you can think of? And then just put on the blockchain and then go, that's our ICO. We're going to raise money. And they would all raise tens of millions, not even try and do the thing and just steal it, right? It was just, that was kind of out and out fraud where you thought you were investing in a company that was going to fix a big problem and they never had any intention of doing so. But with the with the NFT JPEG thing, they're, they're not promising you anything. They're, they're giving you a picture of an ape and going, give us a hundred grand for this. And like, what do I get? It's like, you, you get this, I'll send it to your address. And when you pay them a hundred grand, you do get the JPEG. So... Like, there's no fraud going on here. This is legit. This is why I was actually having this argument with a with a pleb on Bitcoin Twitter before going, because um, he was actually asking, like, oh, I can't wait for the NFTs to all get um, reported to the SEC and then we'll get, like, jail time. I'm like, why do you get jail time for NFTs? No yeah. laws being broken. This is just... You've got what you asked for. No one's going. I'm selling a JPEG and I'm putting a ridiculous price tag on it. Some moron comes along and buys it, provided I actually do give it to them, to the the transaction was not fraudulent. Like, if I didn't yeah. give them the JPEG, then yeah, that I have now defrauded someone of their money. But I did send it in exchange for a hundred thousand dollars. So all it is is a JPEG with a digital signature on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And some of them, like the Gary V V little scam that he's done, is that he he reckons they're also like tickets. So some of the certain ones will get you in. So I don't know what this alien one does, but there's some of his jpegs will let you in like as a lifetime um ticket to his conference uh, other ones get you a one-on-one conversation with him 
but this is all just marketing gimmicks that are put over mm. the top you know it's just a you should buy one hopefully you get the one-on-one conversation yeah. why are you such a moral <laughs> i'd love him to have a one-on-one with a bitcoiner he would uh yeah he wouldn't last long do you think it's kind of like their um their, uh, their income money sort of thing like they're just their play money that they're dealing with now because these guys are super rich anyway but it's just like oh right i've got this extra cash coming in from an nft yeah you know we'll buy a holiday with that yeah i think you're right it's i actually did listen to a podcast the other day because i wanted to understand why these guys are buying them and it was a load of nft guys just talking about Mm. why they're so valuable and one of them had such a good point it was literally right these these guys have been that have been in crypto for the a decade they are uber rich so rich they are young and they are billionaires and they've never like done a day's work in their life they've just been buying random coins and they've gone up hugely and there's only a couple of thousand of these guys but they all sit at home their entire life is on the internet right and they brought a, they brought a couple of houses they got a couple of cars they still have billions they don't know what to do with it so their life is online so what is a perfect thing to buy to flex that you're wealthy is to pay $3 million for a JPEG, set it as your profile picture, and be able to prove that you paid for that. That gets you a lot of online kudos. The, the other plebs that are around the internet suddenly look at your account and go, wow, he paid $3 million for his, J- for his profile picture. And it's like the in-real-life Lambo. Mm. On the internet, it's the internet Lambo, which is the most expensive profile picture in the world. And, uh, and, and, they, and they literally have nothing else to do. Like, they don't even care if their 3 million profile picture goes to zero. It's like when you buy a Lambo, right? You don't care the fact that that Lambo is going to go from 300 grand to be worth 10 grand in 10 years. You don't give a fuck. Like, it's just, it looks good for today. My mates are going to be jealous and I'm going to have a good fucking time in it for a couple of years. And then, yeah, it's worthless. It's just you throw it into the scrap heap. Who gives a fuck? I'm rich. And it's the same with the JPEG, I think. They're, they're literally yeah. just spending money and they've got nothing else to spend it on because that's the problem, right? Once, you, once you've bought a house and you bought a couple of cars and you're 25, you're an internet degenerate. What the <laughs> fuck do you spend your money on? I think there's also a subculture to that as well from a, from a gaming perspective. Like, uh, you know, the packs that you get, whether you play FIFA or COD or, or even Fortnite. And you obviously get to customise weapons or kits, etc. And if you've got that one special thing that nobody else has got, digitally you are flexing, aren't you? Yeah. You know, let's. So a lot of people like that. You know, they will pay to get the gold-plated digital Uzi Uzi gun for uh, for for COD. And it's like, okay, that's great. It's digital. You can't touch it. You're not doing anything with it, but it's just that thing and yeah you just it's weird yeah and, and it is fake scarcity as well because yes, in theory yes, like yes. on on cod yeah maybe they say there's only a thousand of that gun yeah so if you get one of them like you've you're one of like you can like proper flex on your mates now it's like oh look i've got mm. the rainbow freaking uzi gun but in reality someone a developer at the cod headquarters could just make a million of those guns it's literally yeah. just a change in the, in the database but you trust that they don't and, and they probably won't as well because 
it's not in their interest to. Yes, they, The people that bought the thousand would be really pissed off and probably never pay anything again if they suddenly got dumped on and a million of the gun came out. So this is the same with the NFT thing. It's like, it's fake scarcity. The developer could easily just put another thousand of the same JPEG online and people probably have. But you've just got to go, well, I hope he doesn't. And I supposedly have the original one. So this is why it has value, but... It's not like with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has real scarcity. You can't, no one can just print some more Bitcoin and then you go, oh, I have the original one. So it's like, no, any other Bitcoin over there that there's a forked chain or whatever, we know that is not Bitcoin. It's like, this is genuine scarcity. JPEGs are just, there's no scarcity, but people don't seem to care. And it's, it's, like, it's like you said in the computer game world, people don't care in that world either, but there's just this kind of trust on a central third party that they won't flood the market. And provided they don't, then to a certain extent, these things do hold their value. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've actually been, a, I say, a victim more. Yeah, I think it, you just get caught up in it because I, I played uh, Street Fighter Five for a very long time. And I've seen it along the way. When the game first came out in 2016 in February, it had limited <laughs> characters. And then Season 2 came. And in Season 2, you could either buy all of the characters or you could do the various different random events and then earn your way there but then once you did it or you sorry if you didn't do it it was gone never to be had again and it wasn't until season five that you could and which was five years later that you could buy all of the back seasons so but you weren't to know that and so I definitely think that people did it along the way and uh, and obviously getting new characters. And also, again, it was down to high preference time as well. If you weren't bothered, it was only a couple of quid. Just buy them. Did you buy them? I bought them. <laughs> I bought them. I'm in. I was like, I ain't got time for this. I'm in. I bought them. I want a D Honda. I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually just posted the, the price chart for Dink Donk. <laughs> I did that a while ago when we we're talking about um, the ICOs. So I oh, just yeah. thought it's one which we've talked about. And it's probably the most ludicrous coin which we've talked about. And it's basically gone yeah. to zero. Oh my like, God. Yeah, that is the worst price chart I have ever seen. It's just down only. <laughs> it, it, it's, it pretty much was at a price. It slumped within the first couple of hours. I mean, it just went down, I'm guessing, as the. Um, investors or owners just sold all their coins and pulled the rug no they wouldn't do that would they because somehow even though it seemed to be at zero it's gone down like 16 percent just today so even though it was virtually at zero like... <laughs> yeah minus 16.89 yeah that's that wow. and that's just today's and it's yeah, you know, like you said, if you go to the, the year to date chart, it was already at zero like about three months ago when it came out. It's actually only been out three months. It took about like, two weeks to get to zero. And but then since then, there's still a lot of lot of big dips. You just can't see them because they're nowhere near as big as the original dips. Yeah. So that's um Logan Paul's coin. That is <laughs> that was a you know confirmed exit scam right there. Yeah, we called it when he launched it, didn't we? We talked about yeah. Ding Donk or whatever it is, right? Whenever that came out, we talked about it, and uh, there it is. Oh, oh, hold on. That so yeah, that was a couple of months ago. How about you overlay uh, the Floyd Mayweather fight <laughs> and the dates off this chart? 
and I guarantee they correlate. When did they fight? That's what I'm just about to Google right now. The coin came out beginning of July from the looks of it. Oh, surprise, surprise. Uh, the fight was ooh, the 6th of June, they fought. Okay, so it's afterwards, isn't it? So it's afterwards. So riding is publicity. Yeah, yeah, ride the publicity, take the money, out we go. Yeah, it did seem to be something that he, he seemed to launch it, and he never really spoke about it again because obviously the mm. has gone straight down, hasn't it? So there's been nothing to, nothing to sell. Must have been a nice to straight in pump and dump. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was pull the plug the minute it was launched, pretty much. Yeah, normally, obviously, he hasn't got a very good experience about how to do a pump and dump there because he's a, he's a wealthy guy. So the way to do it, if he wants to do it properly next time, is <laughs> when you launch the coin, he can't go and sell all his coins straight away because that means everyone runs to the door. What he has to do is he's worth hundreds of millions anyway. So what he should have just done is gone, I'm going to put 20 million to one side and buy a million a day for 20 days of his own coin. That would have pumped the price. That suddenly gets all his followers some confidence. This coin is going to go to the moon. It would create FOMO. It would look like, wow, this coin has like tripled in price since it's come out nice and consistent. All the dumb money comes in. It would take the price of his coin from wherever he got it to. It would probably 10 or 100x. Now you dump. Now, and you take your 20 million out plus a shit ton of profit. You probably take an extra 100 million out in profit. Then it goes to zero. That's how you do a pump and dump. You don't dump on day one. Silly boy. Can't even scam properly. <laughs> There's your 101 in scamming right there <laughs> in 20 seconds. Seen it a million times, and that, that's how you pump it down. you got to get some fake upward movement. So, yeah. And only wealthy people can do that, right? That's why people tend to scam from one industry and come to another, and then they use their wealth to like manipulate the price upwards to begin with to give... It's like when you're, you know, like say you're a market store and someone's selling something dodgy, you have a few plants in the crowd that buy the, the product first and it gives the rest of the audience confidence that, oh, if this, the, these three people have just run to the front to get this special offer, then well, I'm stupid standing here. I need to join the queue. You know, and the three people that buy first are plants. They're not buying at all. They, they go with yeah. them to every market store. Uh, what do you want to talk about now? Uh, if you talk about the confiscation is $87,000. Yeah, let's do it. Washington Post. Okay, so with everything, whenever I see it, you're, I always think now behind it. So who owns the Washington Post? The Jeff Bezos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so when you read it, read it with Jeff in mind. I couldn't actually access it, so I had to Google it and read a different article about this. Um, you just have to click on uh, the free, because yeah. I, I, I had that, uh, so just for browsing for free. Yeah, it tries to get you to subscribe with two buttons, mm. but the first one says just click here for free. And I think it gives you a certain amount of articles for free. So unless you've been reading the Washington Post loads, then this will be like your one free article a month or something, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, I just ignored it because I just saw the access, so I just went there. Yeah. So uh, the background to it was uh, Nevada Trooper, uh, who, when was when he was pulled over, 
uh, sorry, a former Marine when he was pulled over had $87,000 in a zip bag. Right? And then uh, the the drug dogs sniffed it out. And, uh, and so following from that, he was, well, essentially the police took the money, confiscated the money. I think That's there's two. Much. I think there's two points to this. I think there probably is reasonable cause. So he could confiscate it, but it's when they went for adoption after not <laughs> finding any probable cause. So I think mm. you know the kind of confiscation you can kind of forgive, but when we look into it and go, we've got no proof to show this is money laundering, drugs, whatever. There's no way which he should be able to adopt it, and it's just it's absolute madness that that's written into American law they can do it. Yeah, mm. well, this is this is and this is a weird thing. This, adoption, yeah, because I've seen this happen numerous times. I actually saw there's an article on it where, um, well, I think it might have even been a Netflix documentary or something because they've realised that these police officers they can uh, confiscate any amount of money that you have that they think looks suspicious if you don't categorically prove where you got it from, and if you and proof is needed, as in a receipt that you need to actually have a receipt for the amount of money that you have on you and obviously if people don't tend to have that type of thing with them so if they don't even though the the dogs this the drug dogs think they smelled um drugs on it you know they searched the car there were no drugs in the car there were no drugs with the money they just thought that the money has been around drugs before but that doesn't mean anything because we know like what was it like 30 percent of notes have a trace of cocaine on so that doesn't mean anything if there's a large bulk of money there. Of course, there's going to be drugs around it. But the fact that they could just take it, and then if you can't prove how they got it, then I've actually seen in this documentary, they actually budget in this confiscated cash. The police stations actually upgrade their own, like they, they have a nice Christmas party. They upgrade some of their equipment out of the confiscated cash, and they actually have it budgeted. Come on, boys, we're running low on the Christmas funds. Let's get some more adoption. <laughs> Need some more adoption. You there with the blue cap, get five percent more on the adoption. Yeah, and and it just it just shows that basically um, you are treated as a criminal if you have a large amount of money on you. That's the long and short <laughs> of it, right? And I think we all know that anyway. Like if you were to carry around ten grand and a police officer was to stop you, I would be sweating just straight away because I'd be like, the best case scenario here is probably he's going to take this money, and even though I might have a legitimate cause for it it's going to take a, a number of months away for me to ever get this money back if at yeah. all. Uh, and it's just, it's just weird. And obviously this is another thing. Bitcoin fixes this, <laughs> whatever this guy is doing. And it does look to be fair. I think the guy does have a history of drug charges against him. So this is almost definitely probably drug money. Let's just be honest with it. But well, the article which I read said that there's no indication. The only thing she'd had was a restraining order against his wife. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've actually state where he had the money from, unless I well, missed it. He had receipts which show that it was out of his account. He's got an he's got an army pension or something. So it said it's all legitimate because it's got receipts from it, and it's they've um, looked into the incomings and outgoings of his account, and it's all kosher. So I read a different article to you guys because I mm. kind of saw the pay thing for that and went mm, fuck that, and I read, and I googled it. So I've read a bit, a little bit differently, um, but it does, you know, the whole thing is why are you carrying around that amount of money? He said that he was looking for a house closer to his ex-wife and his daughters, oh, right. was what he said. Um, but still, why would you have 
cash to pay that way. You know, you'd have it with a lawyer. Yeah. And I'm sure, and he usually kept it as his parents' house, but his parents were away for weekends. Yeah. The thing is, it doesn't, it's crazy that we, you need a reason for why you want the money on you. It's his fucking money. If he wants to carry it around, you can carry it around. But if the government catches you with it, they'll fucking take it. And that isn't right. Because the thing is, if he'd have had Bitcoin and he's had a ledger, he could have had millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin on him and they wouldn't have had a clue. And because, yeah. you know, I keep most of my money outside the banking system. So I'm essentially doing the same as him, driving around with a big duffel bag on my passenger seat. But it's a duffel bag that they can't see. It's just a little freaking USB drive, isn't it? So I'm doing the same thing as that guy. I don't trust the banks either. And I think I did read a quote in there. I think there's somewhere where he went, I just don't trust the system. I don't trust banks. I want the money. Mm. I can touch it. So he's, he's, he's one step away from being a Bitcoiner. And hopefully when he gets his money back, this will teach him a lesson to go, look, carrying your money around with you is absolutely fine. We don't trust the banking system either. But you've got to convert it into an asset that police can't see. And that's Bitcoin. We've got his name. We've got his location. Someone should track him down. Yeah. Send them some messages, lock into Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, get that money back and get it straight into Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's kind of like, uh, as he said there, as I was reading through the article a bit deeper, he anticipated being stopped. Mm. Hence the reason why he had the receipts on him. And it's kind of like a, a classic guilty until proven innocent. And so he felt like he needed to have that, uh, knowing that it's going to happen, it's bound to happen. And when it does, well, there's your proof. And even though he had the proof and probably argued the point as and when the police officer stopped him, they still, you know, went down the adoption route and took it. But the fact that he could prove it and he got his money back, hopefully with some interest, you know, there should be citizen uh, inflation <laughs> that we should be able to... Invoke. Has he got his money back? Because I thought he was just in legal case on the article which I read. Yeah, it says uh, that he got the money back as well. He also got the money back afterwards. I mean, it's a bit of a lesson. I mean, I know you're saying that the government shouldn't have the power, but it's also, well, what, what happens if he got robbed? You know, it's still a bit silly, you know, car carjacking or whatever. Like, no mm. one's going to pay his money back and just think a bit silly by him on numerous different levels and with the police yeah. maybe maybe he should have just identified as a bank or an ATM it's <laughs> <laughs> like I agree it is silly to pay that amount of money with you like if I ever have a more than a couple of hundred pounds on me for whatever reason I feel nervous just walking down the street I just assume someone might know and they're just gonna they're gonna yeah. grab my wallet well, so it is silly, but I, what I would do, I would fight for the right for people to be allowed to do that. There's no reason yeah. people are allowed to do silly things. They shouldn't get arrested for doing silly things. It, you know, it's for, I'm thinking more about for his protection because it's a silly law, but put that to one side, it's still, you could get robbed, carjacked, whatever. Car catches, car catches on. I can almost yeah. guarantee he had a gun with him and he's a Marine, so he probably could handle himself, but he can't yeah. handle himself against the government. Yeah, car catches on fire, whatever. I just, yeah, it's just silly. Talking about silly things, do you want to talk about Australians? Yeah. <laughs> Remember Mario Balotelli? He also got uh, pulled over that time when he was in Manchester with about, about £25,000 or so in the passenger seat. And when the police officer said, well, why do you have that much cash on you? He's just like, because I can. Yeah. That was his excuse. And, uh, and he got taken off him, didn't he? 
I think so. I think it's because it's alien to people as well, isn't it? Certainly in the UK, to have that amount of cash, like you see it quite often in, in the US where, you know, they're, they're throwing money all over each other and it's kind of like that culture to do so, to carry around wads of cash and put it under the mattress and so on. But yeah, um, it may be just because we're just not used to it. Mm. But the, the real reason, like the, the, cutting through it, right, well, the, the reason why they created this law and the reason why you are everyone is scared if you get stopped because they don't want you to be doing large transactions in cash cash because they're completely anonymous. Yeah. So it means it's very easy to not pay your taxes or buy illegal things or whatever. So they pretend that, oh, this is probably a drug deal. There, there would probably be, a lot of us would probably have a lot more cash in our houses if, um, obviously if you weren't a Bitcoiner, but if it wasn't already frowned <laughs> upon and wasn't seen as illegal. But yeah. because it's got that tint to it, that not only is it a bit silly because someone could break into your house and just steal the cash and then there's no real way of you proving that the cash was there and probably the insurance company is probably just going to look at you and go, you were stupid for having 20 grand of cash sat in a safe. That's your own fault. That's gone. We're not paying out. But it's also the fact that if the police come around and have a look and find you 20, 30 grand in a the safe, they, they're going to straight away assume you're a criminal and you don't want to be framed in that way. And in reality, it's you are breaking the law because they've created laws about holding them out in a cash over a certain value. But that's just for their own benefit. They're, it's not for your benefit at all. They just don't want you doing transactions outside of the system. Also, as well, on that point, if you know, if you've withdrawn that money and you were going around and you're actually physically because it's a proven study isn't it if you were physically handing over money as opposed to paying for goods on your card you wouldn't you wouldn't pay as much as you do because you don't feel that connection to it when you're paying on your card whereas when you're physically letting go of the money you think oh i can see the stack going down now maybe i should hold back and so it's like they want you to use the card to use the overdraft and so on and credit so that they get the money back ultimately. Yeah, go on then. Dr. Wallen, Dr. Tempercent even. Um, yeah, so I want to move on to Australians while we're talking about silliness. So ah. 56% of Australians think Elon Musk invented Bitcoin. <laughs> so this was on about, I think, um, predictions in australia when we think um, crypto is going to dominate aussie dollar as well as what gen z hold um, in forms of crypto at the moment mm. so the, the stat which we start off with 56 percent of australians are stupid <laughs> <laughs> it almost makes me feel less sorry for them the fact that they're all being locked in their homes and being beaten up at the moment if 56 percent of them think elon must create a bitcoin then he deserves it it's it's for their health yeah Yeah. i've got a friend over in australia and uh with a couple of you know people that we work with and so on and and they they seem to say that it's okay but i'm like are you saying it's okay because they've already conditioned you and you know from our perspective we're looking from the outside in but they're in it, so they're like, no, 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 it's fine. You know, yeah, we should be 
we should we should be policed. We shouldn't be allowed outside of this five mile radius zone. And is it too early right now until they really get tired and then they're ready to fight back? I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've seen some crazy videos of their like because it weirdly it was only a couple of weeks ago. I think we were discussing the fact that they had these quarantine camps popping yeah. up in Australia. They they they're built. Like this, yeah. I've seen videos of these people in individual little shacks, and they have to sit there. They're getting patrolled up and down. So th- this guy was saying how this girl was sat drinking a cup of coffee on her veranda, and the guy came along and went, "What? Put your mask on." She sat there like completely on her own in her little veranda of the pod that she's in. And then she's like, I'm drinking my coffee. She's, he's like, well, not right now. Put it on. Like, in between sips. It's just insane. What were the quarantine camps for? Is it's, it when people come, come into the country? Yeah, by and large for that. But then also for people that then test positive, they, you get shipped off. What? So you can't stay at home? No, you, you're not allowed home quarantine. They put you in a quarantine. What? Yeah. So what happens if it's a kid? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their rules are on kids, but yeah. I saw another one where they were, there was, this was like, it almost looked like a Butlins thing where everyone had their own cabin. But then there was another one where there was some guys that were in a hotel and there was a guy going crazy next door to this guy. And he was obviously filming himself going, this guy is going crazy because he, this, the guy next door has been in here for 14 days. We've been locked in these hotel rooms uh, with no contact, like you're not, there's nothing to entertain you, you yourself inside the room. And the guy thought he was getting out at midday, and they went, "No, no, it's not midday. It's midnight. So you need to wait another 12 hours before we let you go." Even though this guy has been tested twice a day for 14 days, they <laughs> refuse to let him go. N- none of these people have tested positive, by the way. These are purely just people coming back from Australia, coming to Australia from other countries. And this guy hit just reached breaking point. Um, he went basically crazy and he was tearing his room up and it was just thumping thing thumping the wall he was smashing his hotel room to pieces and the, the guys were going stop it we're going to gash you in a minute to like calm you down and he's just like let me the fuck out of this place i fucking had it and he just he literally mentally broke him and you're like jesus christ what are they doing to their own people they're putting them they're putting them 14 days of isolation this and you know what's the cruelest thing you can do to a human being like in prison it is Putting them in prison and also in isolation with no human contacts. That's the coolest thing. That's, can- what, that's what they do in uh, prison for really out of control. You know, that's the ultimate yeah. one, isn't it? I forgot what we yeah, call it in the films. Yeah. They like, call it some, put them in the hole. hole. Yeah, the hole. Yeah, the hole. Yeah, they call it something really particular because that is the biggest punishment which you can get. So, yeah. um, well, I think the one which topped it for me, I know it's maybe not as well. I suppose it is crueler in a way is when they shot all the dogs at a local pound because they didn't want people to come in to look mm. at them. I was just like, it's Jesus just Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even as uh, a non, you know, I don't have pets, but that was just ridiculous. Or last year when they um, wouldn't let babies go across state borders to a hospital, which was a um, heart specialist one. So they let the babies die. Yeah. Because they've converted. Yeah. Because the, those babies would have had the services they needed and the hospitals were nearby, but they converted them to COVID hospitals. So yeah. the babies then did not have the care. It took them too long to travel or to a certain extent, these babies are too ill to travel anyway and they died. No, they, they wouldn't let them across state borders. Mm, it's just, yeah. 
that was the reason it wasn't so much the distance. It's they weren't allowed to go across two hours or something across the state. But yeah, it's ridiculous. We're kind of going off topic. So some of the other stats from there. Prediction is that 2029, crypto will dominate the Aussie dollar. So that was the predictions off this news.com.au. And 31% of Gen Z own some form of crypto. Mm. Um, I think it's about 9% own Bitcoin. So about a third of those figures. So you've got a lot of shit coiners in there. But I think that's probably the makeup of the crypto market in general, isn't it? you got, you know, a good proportion because even 30, 33% of people are actually stacking sats of some meaningful um, currency, whereas the rest are, um, yeah, stacking cum rocket and whatever else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. I, I mean, the fact that they're in, then it's kind of fine. It's, 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 it's the weird, like, Catch twenty two with things like Dogecoin and all these scams and NFTs. Like if it gets them in, and then they end up finding out about Bitcoin a bit more, and eventually they'll land on a Bitcoin standard type podcast. Mm. That'll be the thing that makes them just click, and then they'll be in. But they've just got to go through their shitcoin stage, haven't they? So get it out of their system. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't give me much confidence though, because obviously for the first stat where they half of the people think Elon Musk created Bitcoin, it's like. No wonder you're not going to buy it if you think Elon made it. Yeah. What's a break? What's a breakdown of people according to age? So you, I think, quite a lot, large proportion of that could be boomers. Hmm. Yeah. It, it just shows in reality what this whole like article. Whenever they survey people like this, essentially they're surveying people that like that guy that made the comment on that the other article about lightning being integrated into Twitter. They've done next to no research. They've just seen Bitcoin, Elon Musk, you know, climate change. They're literally playing like word association in their mind. So they haven't actually read even a single article. They've just, they just heard a name and they've heard a thing and they've heard a FUD bit. And when they get asked, they kind of talk quite confidently on it. And probably when they filled out this survey, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm quite confident that these are the right answers. They, they have no clue what they're talking about. They should have um, given them the FUD dice and see what we can throw in there. Sweet. Uh, wrecked of the week. Wrecked of the week. This, wow. is, uh, this is one of the original. This is the original. Connect finally getting it's just desserts. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the original scams in 2017. This one. This is a. I'm amazed that this is this guy. These guys have finally been caught because they, they had a really clever little scam. It's a little bit like the one coin scam where they had their own platform. It, the, their coin didn't really trade for ages anywhere else. It only traded in their little platform. So the price was what they said it was. And uh, their whole scam was they reckoned they had a trading bot that could trade Bitcoin every day and make 1% gains. Just 1%. And uh, so what you have to do is you have to give them your Bitcoin. They would then give you Bitcoin, BitConnect token instead. Um, but then they would be trading on your behalf. She would get 1% interest every single day, guaranteed. Wasn't even like sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. 1% guaranteed. And bizarrely, like 1% a day doesn't sound like a lot. And that's why it kind of convinced a lot of people. It's but when a you classic chessboard thing, isn't it? Yeah. But the, but the problem is when you work out 1% over about 200 days, if you start with 10 grand, after 200 days of 1% gains, I think you've got like 10 billion. 
Yeah. But clearly it can't go up by that much. Like 1% a day is crazy. Like the APR per year, I think that works out like 30,000% or something. So they're basically, and this is guaranteed, it was programmed into the website. And because BitConnect wasn't a real coin, your BitConnect was going up by 1% a day. Like you could see it going up and up. And then they just had the pound or US dollar equivalent next to it. So everyone got, and this is the great thing about any good old Ponzi. When you start the Ponzi off, you had to put your money in and then commit it for a number of months. So the way they did it, and this scam only lasted six months. I can't touch it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Anyone that says that, like, if it's a a trading, what they did is people put the, the first people that came in, put their money in for like two weeks or a month or something. But then your money, if you put, say, 10 grand in for a month, you'd get 20 grand out. But if you put 10 grand in for six months, you'll get like 200 grand out. So what the genius of this scam was, the Ponzi scheme, is a lot of people went in, didn't trust it, thought this is too good to be true. I'll put 10 grand in, but I'm going to trust it for like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And what their genius was is obviously as people were coming in, they paid the old people with the new people's money. Mm. But those first set of people did turn 10 grand into 20. And they all just went crazy. They would then grab their 20 grand, reinvest it. Hit me again. Yeah. I think some more. Now I'm going to turn this, now I've turned 10 into 20. Now I'm going to turn 20 into 400 or whatever it was. And own, of course, just as is that no one else got paid out, right? Anyone in the first month, no one after that got paid. The website disappears. But they made off with billions. This went, this was like back in 2017, as well as Ripple and XRP, mm-hmm. this was the biggest one. This went completely nuts. So many people are buying into it. There's loads of memes around this. Probably uh, ripples on the uptake as well, once again. Again, not a shit coin holder of Ripple, but friends that have got that, uh, saying that it's up as, a, as is everything, apparently. It's still down from 2017, though, because they're, they're mm. all time. I think they're about, about a dollar now. They were $3 in 2017. Yeah, I think that was it. It, it reached a dollar. So they're, they're up in terms of like this year, it went down to about 10p. So yeah, they 10x this year, technically, but they're still yeah. they're still 66% down. <laughs> like, so yeah. it still doesn't mean you're up, mate. It just means you're not yeah. as far down. Like just fucking sell that shit. Because if, obviously if, like Bitcoin is up 250% from two, to 2017. They're still down 66%. That, that is not, that is not, that's their definition of doing well, being down 66% then you need to check you know, the rest. You always hold hope, don't you? Uh, and that's probably the thing, isn't it? It's just holding hope of, oh, it's nearly there. Yeah, it's like just, just uh, admitting you're wrong, just uh, sell it. But um, but yeah, it's good. These BitConnect guys have finally been charged by the SEC with $2 billion of crypto fraud, which has taken them four years to do it, but fair play. They've done it. Wonder- it tracking, was it tracking them down? I don't know. Actually. I don't know. If, are they even American citizens? I didn't think they were. It is a kind of like standard, you know, something's too good to be true. It, it is a yeah. scam. And, you know, people fall for it again and again. It goes, you look back into history and it's happening with like the potions. It was happening with like turning stuff to gold it's always happened. You always think, oh, this time it's got to be right. They look legit. The website looks great. There's so many people that are on there. And I think, you know, the, 
the greater the credibility that they paint and obviously the gains as well just just captures people each and every time doesn't matter yeah they, they're just gonna fall for it each and every time oh weirdly this founder i've just googled this guy this guy's name i don't know if this linkedin account is legit it might be wrong it literally has his current position as bitconnect which you wouldn't have that on there would you no it says he's in india and he studied in greenwich london <laughs> so um yeah, I think this guy, he's got an Indian name, so it does look like he might be Indian, which is weird because obviously the, the SEC in the America, they do seem like they're the police of the world, right, America? Because the SEC is an American institution. Mm. So they, I suppose they can claim that the, what there, there was a crime committed because American citizens did invest in that thing. So American citizens were harmed in the fraud. But the fact the guy's Indian means that if you, they actually want to prosecute, you know, the crime did not actually take place in America. They're going to need to get um, India to to go along with this, unless they manage to catch this guy whilst he was in um, America. Who was that other guy? Don't, do you remember? Um... I'm, sh- I'm sure he was in America. I'm sure they he mysteriously appeared in America. They asked Batman to bring him over. <laughs> do you remember the other guy as well, who uh, Mrs. No Show said that? Uh, she met as well uh, because she also said that I met him and uh, and that he stole money from the company and was uh, currently missing. I forgot his name, but there's another guy as well. Yeah, I think this was it, Surat. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was him. Satish Kambani. But yeah, he is showing on there as well. Yeah. I'm just looking at him now. What, of another scam? No, no, of uh, on, on LinkedIn. Is, uh, it's only got like 10 connections, so maybe... Oh, that's yeah. what makes it look like someone's just created it for a joke, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he seems to be Indian. But yeah, it's good that he got caught. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I doubt, as of all these things... He'll probably get some. Um, well, if he's still got his money, then quite often what intends to happen is the SEC <laughs> will settle out of court. So that he'll, he might get fined 200 million, 300 million, something like that. And what's well, nothing? He got he made off of 2 billion. So that's just making crime pay. And, and even if they do manage to give him some prison time, I would still think that he will, it will be less than 10 years. And the people that got defrauded will likely not get their money back. It's a classic as well um, for every day that they hold him, whether it's like in detention and then obviously into prison, Bitcoin goes up. So to your point, yeah, we'll have a little bit of money. That's all good. How much do you want? Because I'm sure that will just be the interest that I've made on the time that you've kept me here and the inconvenience while I go off and spend these other billions yeah. After you release me, the thing is, if he's a shitcoiner as well, and he had that two billion, he had two billion dollars, and um, the BitConnect guys were sensible, right? They they knew their coin was worthless, so to buy their coin, the only coin they accepted was Bitcoin in exchange. So uh, he had two billion dollars worth ta-da. of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, that's the magic trick right there. Yeah, whenever a shitcoiner will only exchange a shitcoin for your Bitcoin, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> 
know what's up, right? They're, they're not but really. You don't know what's up when you first come in. That's the thing. You don't know what's up. I'm pretty sure that someone convinced me back in 2007 to buy XRP and you had to convert to Bitcoin. So this is where I put like, it's like 50 quid in or something. And it's where I'm struggling to get the Bitcoin out, the 50 quid's worth. It's sitting on that that platform, but it was. You had to buy it in Bitcoin. They put your pants down and touched you as well. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was a, that was something separate where it paid. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it was back like four years ago, and it was where you can buy XRP or Ripple, whatever it was called, in many places. So yeah. I have I have got the Bitcoin sitting there in my account, but it's due with um, the Google Authenticator, which it wasn't playing ball last time I tried it. Yeah, there, there was a weird little yeah. Ripple cult in our business, wasn't there? Because the thing is, like, it Ripple, was. Was very, yeah, it was very, they were very clever in the fact that they pitched it as like, you know, this is the regulated Bitcoin. This is the one. Crypto is a thing, and but it needs to be regulated, and the banks need to trust it. And Ripple was the one. And I think if you and obviously we worked in regulation, didn't we? And they were yeah. finance guys, business guys. And so it just sounds like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin is for the for the plebs and for the drug dealers. But Ripple has a load of suits behind it. This is the one that's going to get adopted. You, romantically, you want that one to be adopted. But let's be real. It's not. This is going to be the one that gets adopted. And that story really hit home. And mm. and obviously, like in reality, no, if the banks are going to have a choice, they're going to accept none of them and they're going to keep their own coin. Right? So turning up in a suit going, Mr. Bank Officer, you, you, your money's worthless. This is the new money. They're going to go, fuck off, mate. Like, no. Yeah. Like, why would we use your coin that you can print more of? Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. 90% of the supply of. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same, but I bought like 50 quid's worth. So it's it's a silly investment, as you or rather gamble, because it wasn't an investment, was it? No. Um, I got my money back anyway, because I think it was roughly about the same price. Um, one of the points I put on here as well in terms of uh, the bullish case for Bitcoin, VJ Boyaparty actually touches on it. And it's rightly so, just coming back to what you said there, Mr. Orlin, about you don't want to be associated with the coin that's de- uh, that's classed with drug dealers and people uh, moving money illegally. You want to be associated with the regulated coin. and So we don't want to be in fiat. exactly um but what was interesting is he he talked about it and it wasn't the fact that it was like uh the fact that people were dealing drugs or buying drugs it was actually they did this and they they used bitcoin because of the permission they uh they were able to get what they wanted from their own kind of permission essentially so when they were buying whatever they were buying in terms of recreational drugs or whatever if they wanted to buy it with fiat and they were trying to do it with paypal paypal would have like immediately rejected the payment and therefore it's straight off the books no whereas with bitcoin it just allowed self-sovereignty so straight away okay i'm in control of what i buy so it gave them the permission because it was permissionless to be able to do so and i think that's why but of course the the mainstream media and the narrative that was painted was 
oh, it's only people that are doing it with drugs, you know, and so on. And so again, it kind of felt, ill. I don't really want to go down that route. I'll stay away from that Bitcoin thing. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's a good video. You've only just recently added it, haven't you? So I didn't yeah. have time to watch yeah. it. But the article, the bullish case for Bitcoin is probably the article. If you're going to point yeah. one, that is, that is the killer article. Um, and obviously that he turned that into a book, didn't he? That mm. Bitcoin became a book. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, um, I added it um, mainly because, and, and I won't go into too much detail about it because I don't want to do it a disjustice because it's probably a, a podcast within itself where if we were all to sit down, read it um, and obviously watch the, the interviews around VJ Boyer Party talking about it, which I also did as well. So uh, Peter McCormack interviewed him in December 2018, and they were talking about the four different tranches of the book as well, which which was really interested in, which was really interesting because he essentially graded Bitcoin against everything else, as you do, in, in terms of comparing where you should be putting your money. And, uh, and and it was it's so good just to sit back and watch and hear now, 7th of the 9th, 2021, listening to it back then, because everything is playing out or has played out. And in the bullish case for Bitcoin, he talks about when whole countries will then adopt Bitcoin as their legal tender. And there was no inkling whatsoever of El Salvador or any other country going down that route. And here we are right now on the day and he predicted it and, uh, and so on. And I think the bullish case for Bitcoin is really worthwhile listening to because ultimately, whilst it's, it, again, it feels alien to think and fathom it, but that the price will be extortionate. We're talking about 250 by the end of this year and maybe a million a coin. I guarantee it's probably gonna be 10 times, if not a hundred times that. <laughs> and again, it just feels like, yeah, whatever, but it will be in our so, lifetimes. So the bullish case of Bitcoin, it, it, sorry, is it, it's a podcast? It's an article. Uh, so it's an article, but then uh, what I've linked in the show notes or in our agenda is the podcast where somebody's read the article. So it's like an extended article. It's about a 40-minute read or so. Okay, and, uh, and so it, it's really good. So it's essentially a, a free audio book. So it's one which I, which I uh, missed because I think I looked at it the other day. Yeah, so, I um, did it quite late. So it's one which I'll definitely have to um, to have a listen to. Yeah, it's one of those where certainly, again, it's probably one for us to, to revisit on another podcast once again to really do it justice. But BJ is, a, you know, a, he's got a, a day job. He's got a wife and kids and I think he's about 42, 43 and uh, it took him six months to write the article. And what was really interesting is, is when I was listening to another interview with him, is that when he was a kid, 
he lived in Australia and uh, with his mum and dad. So he moved from India to Australia with his mum and dad. And he said he watched his dad convert their money and their assets back into gold. And then on the plane, he remembered his dad being really like apprehensive that he was carrying gold going back to India. Because of course, like that's how you know that's how he was doing it. You know that that's how people carried their wealth. And as you think about it now, it's going to be really silly, isn't it? Like it feels and it, it feels alien, and it feels silly that people used to have coal, uh, coal fires, and and you or or even I'll, I'll bring it or more up today used to use a Nokia phone, you know, a Nokia flip phone or an Ericsson flip phone, etc. It's like, what? You used to do that? Yeah. And people have done that for over 5,000 years in terms of gold being that store of value and how they kind of transport value. Whereas now in the digital age, just remember 24 words or even 12 words. Yeah. And then, bam, you can transport your wealth nice and easy without that fear. And, and just to like be clear on that as well, the fear comes from the government. He, he yeah. was scared of going through customs and having yeah. that confiscated from him. Because right. again, it wouldn't have mattered where it came from. The government can just indiscriminately take it. And then you have to take the government to court to prove that that money was yours. And yeah, if you're coming through borders and straight away, you'll be treated like a criminal. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. Like, and then none of those laws have changed. We have not evolved past that. All that's happened is that we've created an asset that you can go through borders and they can't confiscate it from you because you can just have 24 words in your head, written down, whatever. And then you can just pop them onto a new ledger when you're through safe. And, and this is the thing. Yeah. So if, if they, they had, that family had Bitcoin back then, don't know when he was emigrating or moving mm. to the country, but now there'll be families doing exactly that right now. And, in, and they will not need to sweat it. There will not be a risk of them having their life savings taken off them because they can just be smart, spread a couple of words amongst their luggage or something walk straight through or their metal detectors won't go off. They won't be clinking with gold coins or jewels or diamonds on them or whatever, anything like that. Don't need to do it. Cause the thing is like taking wealth from one like jurisdiction to another is difficult. Like bank accounts yeah. don't, don't work, especially yeah, if you're yeah. emigrating and not coming back. Like, yeah, fine. Your bank will work when, when you go abroad, but if they know that you've left and your citizenship changes, your bank account will get closed behind you and you'll lose access yeah. to it. So you have to like, take it out of that account and put it in another one and there's taxes involved it's difficult bitcoin fixes mentioned that he remembers it being difficult transferring money between the same banks but just in different locations so let's use hsbc and you wanted a hsbc to another hsbc that was difficult and so um, it actually prompted me when reading and listening to it to be like i need to come like i need to remember these words mm-hmm. and so I, I i've turned my words into pictures and i guarantee boys if you haven't done it it's so much easier to remember them in and out of sequence like if you said 
obviously, you know, a number, I've got that number in my head associated to a picture out mm. of 24 and I'll be like, yep, that's what it is right there. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if it was just a, a list and a text of words, because as we know, it doesn't happen slow. It happens overnight or it's super, super quick. So I was just like, right, I'm prepared. You know, <laughs> like, like they're coming tomorrow yeah. uh, or, they're, or, they're, or they're coming right now and I'm ready. <laughs> and wow. so, yeah, the 24, I promise you, it's so much easier. That, that is pretty genius, actually. Because yeah, yeah, that's On a single set sheet of A4, by the way. That's, that's ace, yeah. Because literally, yeah, you need to almost be prepared, don't you? Like, just in the worst case scenario, let's say you're just out for a drive and yeah. something happens. And you need, you need to go and get on a plane now and leave. Yeah. I couldn't do that right now because I don't know what my words are. I'd have to yeah. go at least try and get them. <laughs> and that, that was it. That was what I was thinking. Like a couple of days. That's going to take me a couple of days to do. And that might be too late. I might already be arrested at that point. Too late. Too, too late. Too, you're gone. You know, so from there, I know all of the pictures and obviously I, I even coded the pictures. So it wasn't just like, you know, a picture of something. It was like, oh, no, 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 I'll code the picture. So it's not even in that as well. So when I think about the picture, it's then something else. So if you saw the pictures, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, okay, I know what that word is. Oh, nice. Genius. Yeah. And so it was, it was super, I mean, I, I only did that, what, two days ago? But again, managed to think and remember the, the words so, so easy. So I, I'm ready for you, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> take me, take me, test me, test me. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I don't want to be hanging off any planes. But yeah, yeah. It's a dangerous thing to be tested. Yeah, I'll be like, exactly. what's number five? Yeah, what's number five? What's number, hey? you know, <laughs> number five? Hey, yeah. Get three every time we go out, and then eventually I got all twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you also linked. Uh, I, I like this podcast as well. It was Lynn, wasn't it, talking about the risks of Bitcoin with yeah. as well? And they literally spent the whole like, hour and a half or whatever just talking about why Bitcoin could fail. Yeah, so uh, again, it probably one where we look into it a little bit more. I don't want to really ruin the celebrations of the 21, but <laughs> what was interesting is, Lynn, I, I, I'm, as, as anyone that really, really listens to this show, I rinse YouTube, <laughs> like rinse YouTube. I actually found out that I've been a, a YouTuber for 15 years. So it came out in like 20, sorry, in 2006. And so by 2007, I had a, a YouTube account. And, well, no, 2005, 2006, it came out and I had a YouTube account. And uh, I've been, you know, solidly watching YouTube ever since. Lynn said she only bought in 2020. Yeah. And that really astounded me. I was just like, oh, wow. So her and Sailor, mm. but you would expect them or the way they talk about it, like they were 2011 OGs. <laughs> and so uh, so that, that was really interesting. But what I liked about it is the fact that obviously she's changed her position because she was quite bullish against Bitcoin or maybe not bullish against it. Maybe cautionary is uh, the she right She said she was neutral, didn't she? she just... Yes, just neutral. 
just wasn't pro or, or anti, but you need to be pro it to be buying that asset. And she just Correct. didn't. She, would, she, she literally said like her investment thesis hadn't been proven out. This could just go to zero. Mm. But then I think once it recovered to 10K for the second time, it was like, oh, this actually is a thing now. This is not a bubble that was went from yeah. like zero to 20K and now it's just going to die out to zero once it pumped back to 10K. And then you see all the businesses coming in, all the people talking about it. She was like, oh, my thesis essentially has been invalidated. And this one has now been proven that this asset is it is what it says it is. It is a store of value. Mm. So it's weird. When Once it hit the 10K mark, I think both Sailor and Lynn both came in at about the 10 to 15K mark. Yeah. That, was what, that, was, that was the tipping point. 10K was when they went, this is legit. And they, they all came in. And then do, we, you know, do you know what happened? They, Sailor saw that I was interested. Yeah, you brought it out. <laughs> <didn't you? laughs> yeah, it was about the same time as Sailor. I didn't realise why it was rocketing at, at the time. Yeah. Because I, I was reading more and more and buying more and more, and I was actually buying at the same time as Sailor, so I was in that massive like increase um, caused by him buying his billions. Mm. I was probably but, but around a before, similar time as well, actually. Looking at like, my, uh, yeah, I think you're here. about a few weeks or a month after, because that's when I started talking about reading a Bitcoin standard to you, and I think you probably bought in a similar pattern to me. But I, I was just like... Um, yeah, if um if Dr. 10%'s buying, Michael Saylor's buying, so is Lynn Alden. That's the one. I was, <laughs> uh, yeah, late 2017 in terms of Bitcoin and, yeah, uh, mid, mid-August mid in terms of ETH. Yeah, still pretty good gains on that. Yeah. Um, and then we got... Uh, but just on that as well, sorry, uh, it's probably worth what I, what I liked about it is the fact that it's always good to know why people are anti-Bitcoin. And they went through each of the points like quantum computers, uh, a 51% attack, and then, of course, the fact that it doesn't scale, but people haven't really done their research in terms of understanding what the Lightning Network is. And so, um, you know, each and every little bit of FUD that is out there, Lynn has addressed. And you only need well, to listen to Lynn for about five to 10 seconds. And as the comments in YouTube says, you know, you just get smart listening to her, which is yeah. fantastic. I've, and I've put it on my I put on my list on Google Podcasts now. So yeah. two of those, one's an interview for the bullish case for Bitcoin with VJ, where he addresses the points, and the other one's the Lynn Alden Bitcoin risk assessment. So that's some great listening, which I've got yeah. lined up. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting. I, I always like it, even when Bitcoiners try and have a, a negative podcast where they talk about where Bitcoin can fail. Ultimately, it just ends up being bullish because mm. the top five, <laughs> The top five points are so easily just squashed, and then yep. you left at the end going. So there is no negative side, is that? There? There, there, well, there literally is no downside. This is only going up. This is up only. Yeah. Well, according to um, whatever it is, Travel Seven Eight, um, it costs um, forty five dollars to send a few books. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect time, I think, just to switch to the, my favorite tweet of the week. <laughs> which it, I think it was in, is it, did I put it in foot of the week? Yeah, it's in foot of the week. Yeah. And this is from a guy called fucking Josh Marshall. He's got 365,000 followers. I don't know who the fuck this guy is, um, but 
yeah, whatever. He's kind of like some weird historian that has a load of followers. And he tweeted this. It's remarkable. They really think Bitcoin is empowering millions of people in emerging markets, broken economies and dictatorships. Lol. Like high school libertarianism meets Dungeon and Dragons, fifth level warlock. Bitcoin is the new civil rights movement. <laughs> he just like dunks on us so fucking hard, calling us larpers and like playing Dungeons and Dragons, but with money. He just like laughs at us. And obviously, and this was in response, by the way, to Alex Gladstein, who is, um, he works for, I think it's the Human Rights Organization. And uh, so he has been helping people in the third world for his entire career. He is like, and he's a, a devout Bitcoiner now. And um, he uses it purely for helping people in um, struggling countries. And he's currently in El Salvador right now. I know there's videos of him you know, um, buying things with Bitcoin and all that. So out of all the people to dunk on, <laughs> picking on Alex, that's like picking on Saifedean, you know? It's like, these guys are well-read. There's loads of Bitcoiners that will tweet silly shit that you can mm. easily make fun of. But to pick Alex and then he just dunks on him and gives him chapter and verse as to why... You know, Bitcoin is going to help emerging markets. You know, it is counteracting inflation. And if you think we're lapping, then... Live actions, doing it right now. Yeah. I saw some of the comments and they were comparing Bitcoin to cruise ships. What? <laughs> what his, fo- his followers just saying they, um, they're a waste of energy and so on. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I've never heard that comparison, but it's a start by some neckbeard. <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, every every week someone seems to volunteer, like some of a big following dunks on Bitcoin and they just get completely invaded and get <laughs> really fucking stupid. And uh, But it's weird because if, if, if you check, uh, you check up on these guys sometimes, they just double down on it and they, they don't change their minds. They're just so, it's weird. People that, I think have a lot of followers and potentially even a lot of money. They just decide that Bitcoin is a scam and then they just never go back. And uh, regardless of how wrong they get proven. Yeah, it's it's a classic, isn't it? They just dig their own, they dig their grave and they're well, all just we, prepared to come out of it. We know people like that personally as well. You know, yeah. double down that Bitcoin is useless. Yeah, and I think we finish this segment by just saying, "Have fun, staying poor." <laughs> exactly. Because uh, weirdly, on the energy thing, that literally the next story is the Belarus president uh, admitting that there's a load of excess energy generated in the country. And this is exactly what Bitcoiners are talking about. Because uh, where, where it's good to create energy is actually in like rural areas where there's not many people. And built-up areas is not a good place to put a fucking power plant. No one's a power plant, plant na- next to them. You need a lot of space, and it creates a lot of kind of fumes and all that. So it tends to be like energy gets created out in the sticks, um, especially if it's renewable energy. And uh, yeah, he's come out and gone, yeah, there's loads of excess energy being created. We're not using it. And he just went, maybe we'll do some mining. Maybe we'll mine some Bitcoin. Although he actually said, maybe we'll mine cryptocurrency, which is unfortunate, but... It would be clever because it's a use of excess energy. So you think that's got no um, value to it because I'm guessing it's waste. I don't really know too much about the supply but from my understanding it'd be wasted so why not you know have some um, miners set up and mine and also with belarus being uh, i suppose a smaller country and under the cost of the american media then potentially it could be a way of him getting ahead yeah 
And ironically, you know, this has never factored in to when people look at the amount of energy that Bitcoin currently uses. A lot of it is energy that wouldn't have been created and wouldn't have done anything else. Um, or it would have been created anyway and would have just been let off into the atmosphere. So, But he, but he does sound like he's on the way to having a heart attack soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely looks like he might be having a stroke or something. Then maybe he needs to get double vaxxed and then that will sort him out. But, uh, yeah, but it's interesting because he, he doesn't seem like he hasn't really... Um, been pro Bitcoin before, but he's just gone. Look, there's excess energy floating about. Why don't we mine some Bitcoin and make money out of it? He's, and, uh, he's, he's very much an enemy of the, of the West, though. Yeah, but he's backed by Russia, so they won't touch him. Mm. Which, which I think raises a question about Rus- Russia. What's their position around this? You should never know what they're up to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're big. They're definitely into their crypto. There's um, back in like 2016, they were having meetings with Vitalik. Uh, because obviously Vitalik's the, the founder of Ethereum, he's Russian. So uh, almost definitely they have a nice big bag of Ethereum, and I would guess. And, and Vitalik ultimately was a core developer on Bitcoin as well. So I'm sure his advice to the Russian government would have been get a big bag of Bitcoin. He probably just gave them a big bag of Ethereum. And uh, so they're probably bag holding that and probably pretty, pretty happy with their return so far. I am sure he did whatever he could for Putin. Yeah, well, he's, he's not the kind of guy that you walk away with. He'd have gone first a cheeky million Bitcoin. He's he's not asking. <laughs> That's uh, that, that was an order. <laughs> so is this leave us with the final one? Um, think, fo- yeah, so never looks talking, but we can't hear him. Uh, sorry, yeah, I was actually thinking about this as well um, in terms of the countries, because just going back to the fact that China stopped mining even though they're in a really strong position because they had the uh, majority of miners and then maybe that position has swung back to um, the US because they picked up the the free sats because they've got the majority of miners Um, but then also the countries that are buying and maybe not buying as well so you know UK Whilst they are a superpower right now, on the Bitcoin scene, they're nowhere to be seen. Uh, But in the background, it's said that Russia is certainly going to be doing some form of mining. They might have Bitcoin on their, uh, you know, on their balance sheets. Also, North Korea, it's a way for them to kind of get around sanctions as well. And so ultimately... I would be really, really interested in seeing how all of this plays out on the country level. Certainly with the fact that Vitalik is Russian, we've seen interviews with him and Putin, and so he's super close. They've got a direct inside line. And so, uh, you know, Russia ultimately would always love to be number one. And so... It kind of makes me think, like, China, you were doing so well. Why did you stop? And then they stopped, they dropped. Do, do they think that maybe because they uh, they have the, what maybe become the new reserve currency in the one? Okay, it's okay, we'll overtake the dollar. It's just really interesting to see how it might, might play out. Yeah. 
Do you want to go on to our and finally story of the day? And finally, it was de- it was deleted. You know when I went to it on Reddit. So it was. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. it deleted. So I had yeah. to find a new link. Yeah, there's a, there's a new link in the agenda now that links. Oh, them. okay. Huh. Yeah, there's a new so, link. So um, yeah, it's um a five and a half foot long whale penis sells for six thousand dollars, and there's a great picture of some random guy, Mark Wilkinson. Just standing there, holding a, a five and a half foot long whale penis, and it's Look, it looks like a it looks like a carrot. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? Well, past it. Everybody. Um... <laughs> what, what what on earth do you do with it? You just display it. It's like this is the, it's like an NFT, right? You just flex like. <laughs> And when someone says, like, when you now can go down the pub, can't you? If you, I, I wish I saw this, I would have brought this because then you so can if, say, I have the biggest dick in the world. And when everyone, anyone <laughs> doubts you, you're like, come to my house and I'll show you. Well, <laughs> you what, when it start, room, but you have, wouldn't it start rotting and stink out your, uh, <laughs> your they, flat? No, it's stuffed, isn't it? So they've done the whole, um, what's it called? Like, so apparently, so you said, animal. fishermen but, and sailors. But fishermen and sailors used to store tobacco and large penises to keep it moist during long trips. <laughs> I don't know how much this is like old like wives' tales, but um, what's it called? You know, you can embalm it, or like it's just like having a stuffed cat or a stuffed like head on the wall, isn't it? But it's a stuffed mm. penis. Like, why not? Okay. You know, I, I think when when I saw the price of this. I both thought it was really expensive, but then also really cheap. I I don't know where I am with it. I don't know if this is a fair value for a, for a five and a half foot penis, but I'm just confused. I both want it and then don't want it. So someone <laughs> stuck for a gift for you in the future for a big milestone, then um, oh, okay. stuffed penis would work. I uh, man, I would be so happy with this. Someone bought me a five and a half foot whale penis. I'd be so happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> The man they think that has everything, he has no whale penis. Um, This is like one of the one of the reasons. There's a few reasons which are quite bizarre why I want hyper um, bitcoinization. One of them being that I'd buy it for your birthday for your (laughs) fortieth. Be like, what's this? Is it? Is it? Is it really? And it's like unwrap it. Oh my god, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd definitely be on my list of things to do if we did get to. To that point, yeah, it'd be funny, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it's. It, I think it, this. I think this perfectly goes along with the NFT step thing, right? It's like it's just kind of it's, it's some form of art. It's obviously a quite a large amount of money, but um, but in reality, like yeah, people are buying JPEGs for a hundred grand. Then why? I, I think six thousand dollars for a whale penis is super cheap. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Should we leave it there? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the end of the show. Uh, there you have it. So, episode 21 available on all podcast streaming services from Anchor to, uh, yeah, you know, your iOS and Android and so on. Where else can we be found? YouTube. It's on Google. It. It's on Google for podcasts, which is what I've started using. Yeah. Uh, so the four B's brought to you by Mr. Orlin, Dr. Evil 10%. So never look. And she was here, but she was never here. Mrs. No Show. There you go. At, at home drinking is Starbucks. 
<laughs> Sponsored by Starbucks. Yeah, fellow plebs, if you want to hear us, then, yeah, tune in. <laughs>